and welcome to the Challengers Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Miller from Tearsheet, and with you is my co-host, Josh Liggett. What's up, Zach? You need no intro? No, definitely don't need an intro. And, and to be honest, um, we're a little bit somber today. Um, we thought this would be a good time for a post-mortem on uh, J.P. Morgan Chase's Finn experiment. Yeah, um, we're, we're both devastated. Um, you know, it's really, as you know, representatives of the Challengers podcast, to see, you know, Finn go has really affected me. I don't know about you, Zach, but really affected me. Um, and I, had to, I really had to, I had to get something out because I was so affected by it. Um, so actually, I, I wrote a eulogy uh, for oh, Finn. Oh, yes, please, go if ahead. You don't mind, if you don't yeah. mind, if you don't mind. Let's hear it. Um, um, so first of all, I need some background music. So editor, I need either a Bittersweet Symphony, um, Time of Your Life by Green Day, or I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. So if you can keep that in. So um, set, that sets the mood, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's very much sets the mood. So Finn, you were heralded not only as a quote, all mobile bank that gives consumers greater control of their everyday spending and savings, but also of their happiness. Finn, I'm not happy you're gone. And I feel totally out of control. You told us you would quote, offer us a new perspective on banking through customized tools that help us build savings and reflect on everyday spending from a daily cup of coffee to a vacation with friends. You had everything that a millennial wanted in a digital bank. And it showed since you spent more than a year, you even spoke the millennial language, allowing customers to quote, do all your classic bank stuff in a completely mobile application. Finn, you had everything that millennial wanted in a digital bank. We could assign emojis to purchases expressing how we felt about transactions. You had an 80 styles, 80 style color palette, which is what all the hip kids are wearing. You provided overspending rules that only lets us spend what we had in our account, AKA the judgmental mom and dad API, and had an activity bar showing how much we were spending on stuff like food and drinks, providing a real-time guilt trip to why there's no money in our bank accounts. Two ways to bank explain directly to us is exactly what we're looking for. We were waiting for the, quote, how long I have to work in order to pay off my student loans completion bar, but alas, it would never come. But what I really miss about you, Finn, is how you're not going to be here for the war with the Challenger Banks. I wanted to hear Uncle Jamie gloat about how his digital bank is going to kick all the newcomers' asses, crushing all the pretenders, and see you, Finn, emerging victorious, with the heads of all the Challenger Banks mounting on Uncle Jamie's wood-paneled wall. But now that you're gone, we can only dream of what could have been. Uh, or keep watching, since apparently J.P. Morgan is already working on another digital bank. <laughs> that was epic, Josh. <laughs> And I, I think what we have to emphasize here, a lot of the language that you used was actually the language that JP Morgan itself used when they launched Finn. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So the, the language of helping with managing everyday happiness is a direct quote from their, their freaking, here, I'll read it. Chase to quote, this is from Business Wire, okay? This is from the, the PR associate with the Finn launch, right? October 23rd, 2017, Business Wire. Chase today unveiled Finn by Chase, a new all-mobile bank that gives consumers greater control of their everyday spending, savings, and happiness through a completely mobile experience. Mm. It reminds me of like freaking Silicon Valley when they were making that joke about like all the people pitching on TechCrunch tech Disrupt. And they're like, we're changing the world through a like a mo all mobile, blah, 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 like whatever. It's just like, looking back, I can't believe that someone actually cleared that to go in a press release. So what, 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 
This is like, you know, post-mortem of um, like the first internet bubble when like toys.com went, went belly up. Like, what were people thinking? Did this have a chance like to, to be successful at all from, from the start? So part of me think, wants to imagine that it's Jamie Dimon being a galaxy brain and being like, you know, there's a galaxy brain meme, which is one of my favorite memes. So like, I feel, gal- like, Jamie, like- I feel like Jamie might have actually written this press release himself. <laughs> Very possible. So like the galaxy brain meme is, um, is uh, let me pull it up. Like one is uh, a, a great example is, you know, like a regular brain is to take sleeping pills. Like a smart brain is to taking pills with a drowsiness side effect. And the galaxy brain is to drink caffeine to dehydrate yourself, making yourself tired. So like part of the galaxy brain, I think is like Jamie's like, or people at JP Morgan, like, you know what, let's just not, let's just kill all the digital banks and go back to tellers. You know, we should just use, go offline fully, you know, let's go back to the 1500s of banking. Um, the, you know, let's go back to the Medici's in, in Italy and go back to that system. That worked. You know, why don't we just go back there to as N26 and Revolut and all these other banks are coming to challenge us. Like, it, it, it's just, did this ever have a chance? I mean, it, the fact that they gave up on it. So quickly. Uh, so quickly. Shows I haven't that. even started. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I, I feel like it kind of was doomed from the beginning. Um, I don't know if we've said that on the, on the podcast before, but um, like Ch- the Chase app itself is, is quite good. Um, and if you're going to look at what Chase has versus an N26 or Revolut, like Chase has a Chase brand. And all of a sudden now you're going to rebrand it to something cool and hip when you can't even get the language of cool and hip people correct. Like, like Dr. Evil trying to be cool and hip with the Macarena, you know, from, yeah, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, you know, a 40 year old probably wrote this press release and aimed at a product for 25 year olds. Um, it just, it totally misses. There's nothing fun. There's nothing cool about it. Well, come on. They had an emoji that was one of the one of the section was emoji to talk about your and feelings. honestly in 2017 we were expecting emoji banking really to take over <laughs> um so yeah yeah they they killed this very quickly it really didn't even have time to go national like they did a you know the pilot project in in in, in st louis um didn't do great in st louis and they launched it nationally it didn't do great uh and then they just pulled it in and it was like and and we're done um yeah, it's it's weird. Like I agree with you that they've I I have I don't have JP Morgan in terms of I, I never use them as a bank, but I have I did use I've in the past I've used JP Morgan, you know, QuickPay and and that was a really awesome initiative that they come up with. This isn't a bank that like can't come up with interesting products. They come up with interesting products, they have a great front end, you know, like you said about, you know, that you with your experience of working with, with you know, of, of talking to people and, and talking to people in the industry and, and knowing about you know, knowing about what's going on with that. So it's surprising to me, and they're also freaking the biggest bank in the U.S. So like, it's surprising to me that they gave up on this so so quickly. The report there's a report that they're creating some like skunkworks project in yeah, London, um, in London, which no one knows what exactly it is. Um, whether it's like a blockchain project or like a well, well I hope uh, it's not another challenger bank aimed for the UK market <laughs> because that's quite competitive over there. But come on, no big deal. Yeah. It's JP Morgan. They'll just probably spend a year and a half and then shut it down. Um, but it, it's just it's like I, like I agree with you. It's surprising that they that especially now that when there's all these different reports like we've been talking about for the past I don't know year that all these challenges are eventually going to open up in the u.s i i think that they'd maybe they don't want to maybe they're scared that if that happens they're going to really get beat and that'll they can lose leverage versus coming in and seeing what their offering is and then changing from there that that that's the only thing that makes sense but then why did you even start in the first place 
you know, because it wasn't like in 2017 they thought, oh, well, Monzo went 26 and no, no challenger banks are going to come to the U.S. Like, obviously they were. So I, I don't know. Something doesn't make sense. What would you What would you say the takeaways here? I mean, I certainly one. I think the big banks, the incumbents, have to play to their strengths. And I think the strengths are the branch network for for better and for worse, and and for their their brands. Um, to start a brand, a new brand for a new audience, uh, it's going to be very hard for an incumbent to tap into that. Yeah, uh, I, this reminds me, now that you're seeing it like that, there's a book I just finished um, about the fight between Netflix and, Bro- and Blockbuster, mm-hmm. um, which is, it was a really, just, it was a really interesting book, just because, because a lot of things that I didn't realize necessarily at the time were that when Blockbuster offered their um, combination of brand, of location and digital product mm-hmm. together, Netflix was basically like, we can't beat this. Um, they couldn't beat that combination. They, they were once when Blockbuster had two separate entities of online and branches, you know, Netflix was kicking their ass. And then Blockbuster figured out how to, you know, how to keep put those both into one package. And Netflix was like really on the ropes for a while. And basically Blockbuster had to implode in order for them to win at the end. So using that same model, you know, if, if banks can figure out how to create a bundled product not just because I there are some people who I would assume want to you know get certain services that you can only get in the branch that you just can't get digitally and it could be that you know that something like that can actually if you have a very good a, a solid digital product as well as the addition of of a bank theoretically of a, of a bank branch you theoretically could do a great job of competing if and or thwarting um, you know challenger banks I, I agree with that totally. And, and I think there's some conflicting data about millennials, if that's really what this conversation's about. And um, there's a certain subset or it's hard to define an entire generation, but um, there are products, I think, where, you know, having a branch experience is really important, particularly in, in borrowing uh, for mortgages. Like, you know, it's a complicated product. It's, it's the biggest financial investment most people make in their entire lives. So it's, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, this 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 was slated to be a failure from the beginning, and um, it took you know it took two years basically to shut it off. But so so let's use it as a segue to talk about the other things you kind of alluded to those uh, these other things. But like again, Monzo and Revolut are in the news about coming to the U.S. I know we've been talking about that for like two years. <laughs> They're coming. They <laughs> are happening. coming. They're coming. Um, like Monzo, like officially launched in the U.S., even though I don't think they actually have a product in the U.S. yet. And Revolut supposedly is getting their act together. I, I don't think either of them are getting U.S. banking licenses. I don't think this is alluding to the fact that they've gotten the license. I think they must be coming in through partnerships. Yeah, they're probably. I assume they're going to piggyback like they like they did at the beginning yeah. in Europe because it's a be- huge. They, you have to open it every state. It's a huge pain in the ass. Like, yeah. it's, it's not easy. It's not the U.S. is not. There's a reason why a lot of these challenger banks are opening in the EU. Yeah, because you get like how it's many countries? You get one license, and you get yeah. access to a variety of, of countries. It's just easier. So like, even like there was a you know I remember talking with some banks, and they're like, "Are we going to go e?" Like they were thinking about going EU versus UK. You know, there was right. when with that. Brexit like a cut like a year or two ago, and there was they were there was no thought to go to America. Like at that time, a lot of them just didn't even consider it. And this, it's not like European you know companies. Don't, don't go to America first. Like, there's a very big history of, you know, of definitely European country companies. If you're based in Europe, you can open in America. You know, there's definitely a bunch that do that already mm-hmm. um, right now. But it, it's just, it, it's, it's easy. It's just because it's easier. And so the fact that it's taking, a, I think that they put out the press release to say that they're coming. And then 
I don't know if the marketing department wasn't talking to the legal department. <laughs> Very, I, hope, you know. <laughs> I hope that was synchronized. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Revolut also in the interim uh, launched in Australia, which I think is interesting because that, that, that is probably a, a very, um, though it's competitive, um, it, it, it's a good digital banking market. Um, but meanwhile, as, as, these, as these European companies are trying to uh, figure out their, their, their launch strategy into the U.S., um, we're seeing more and more, quote unquote, challenger bank um, I guess, uh, competition. And I would say these are, these are companies that came in from different angles, right? So like even a stash, right, which is really an investment app, um, has rolled out banking over the past few months. We've written about that on, on the site and, and bills itself as a challenger bank. It really kind of doesn't depend the trajectory, but eventually they get to a place where you're holding um, sort of depository assets. Um, Dave launched this week, and this was a launch that we covered on, on, on Tearsheet as well. Dave was really cool because Dave like has been going for about two years kind of under the under the radar. It was a personal finance manager that I think it's its biggest um, value add to users was that it kept people out of overdraft. And um, I spoke to the, the founder and, and, and CEO uh, for a podcast this week. And one of the things he said, like, you know, we, we, we're used to throwing around this number like 31, 34 billion dollars of overdraft fees in the U.S. every year. The average. Um, payment that actually triggers an overdraft fee for most people when they, when they go into minus in their accounts in the U S is only like $20. So you're talking about like, you know, this really weird uh, series of events where like somebody needs to dip in just for a small piece yet they get charges like, you know, sort of outsized um, penalty for doing that. And so one of the things that Dave did early on was give people $75 worth of just kind of like, it's almost like a spending account. Like if you go into zero, they'll, they'll front you the 75 bucks so you can go get gas or go out to dinner and then pay them back when you, when you get paid your paycheck. Um, and they built, and they hadn't talked about how big the audience was, but they had like three and a half million people using this app or registered users, I shouldn't say using. Um, and so that's a pretty nice audience. Um, they, they're one of the most reviewed apps on the, on, you know, the FinTech apps anywhere. Um, and so it, it, to me, it would make total sense if you're a PFM and people are relying upon you to, um, to help them with their expenses to launch uh, a bank around it. And that's what they did this week. Um, they also announced a $100 million debt financing from um, Victory Park. And, uh, and I, I, think, I think it's going to be a viable competitor. I mean, I, I think the brand is cool. The brand has definitely figured out how to speak to millennials. And, and actually, not only just talks to millennials, but built a product for millennials. I think that's one of the differences between this and Finn. They really thought about, like, what do millennials need? And so that was, so that was one thing that they hit on early. Um, they also help people find uh, gigs in their neighborhood, like from the gig economy. They've done partnerships with some of the, the platforms. Um, they're going to continue to roll that out for bank account holders. You know, to help, to help somebody with their spending and with making a little more money, um, that seems to be like kind of at least that was it was it was well thought out as opposed to Chase, which I think was really just kind of saying, let's take what we have and kind of rebrand it, reskin it and make it sound or, or feel cool. Um, and I think you're going to see more of these types of apps uh, mature over time. Yeah, definitely. The, something that's really interesting well, first is I'd love to see stats like when people go overdraft. Is it like when they if it's like uh, I like the day that their paycheck is supposed to hit, that would like suck. If you're overdraft for like an hour, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'd love to see statistics. Like how when long you spend in overdraft mode. Yeah. If it's yeah. like an hour and you get like nailed with it, but like more, I think what's really interesting is that, um, chase like with, 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 um, Finn, they, they had this, they had an alert that you're going to overdraft. What they didn't have was what you're talking about. This, like 
$75 sort of like parachute, which is, it, it, obviously there's more risk and you know, you have to understand risk assessment and, and mm -hmm. you don't want to go out of business because somebody, you know, takes $75. That out. Yeah. Oh, a pro I would assume, <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem like the hardest. And I think they, you know, if they had a hundred million people, you know, on their, you know, on, on their app and everyone went down $75, I think they'd still be okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like theoretically, like they have so much freaking money. Like it'd be just like a, that's like a, it's nothing for them to figure this out in order to onboard and take that risk. But it's, it's what you're sort of agreeing with what you're saying. It's, it's thoughtfulness was put into what's the actual product going to look like in order to solve a problem and not just be like, Hey, by the way, ding, 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 you're going to overdraft. We're going to charge you X amount of money. If you don't, you know, put more money in your account versus like you went to overdraft, you know, Hey, we're going to cover you. Um, you know, maybe I, I, I don't know, maybe Dave eventually moves to a model where they reward people who don't go into overdraft or do mm -hmm. some sort of education model, which would be really cool. Um, but I think that's something that's, that's really thoughtful in terms of what they did in terms of in, in creating the product. And the other thing is, this is something you and I love talking about. We've spoken about a lot of times regarding just how to, how they're onboarding people is that, um, the unbundling, unbundling, rebundling, unbund, you know, unbundling again, et cetera, et cetera. So what we're seeing now, I agree with you is personal finance apps and, and just anything in, in or around fintech coming out and coming out with a product that fits a market, onboarding them, becoming, getting people to not get sticky with them, but sort of like, like them. I think it's mm -hmm. like a level below stickiness. Um, and then, you know, do things that then say, Hey, by the way, you're doing all this finance with you. Let's finance. Let's just do the banking, which essentially is the ability to send, hold and, you know, and receive money, which isn't that, which you can do anywhere. Theoretically, you know, I could, if I want to, I could use TD Ameritrade as my banking account. It wouldn't necessarily wouldn't be the best use case, but also I mattress. Yeah. I could use my mattress also, which, you know, many other, you know, I, so it's, it's something that I think we're going to see. And what, what's really going to be interesting is, especially with open banking and with, you know, challengers and all that is when, how you're going to have a tremendously distributed network in, in terms of where people are, you know, like to spend most of their time in terms of banking and how that shakes out in terms of, you know, where if, 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 if it just becomes like a, a lo huge long tail um, of just people of different applications that people just like for banking. So, so to that point, um, I, I think that, the industry is sort of maturing a little bit. Um, so, you know, I, I would say the first few years of this challenger bank 2.0, like trend, cause this is obviously not the first time we've seen challenger banks. They've been around since the advent of the internet. But um, I think what we're seeing now, like originally it was just a race, like to quote, uh, you know, we're opening 10,000 accounts today. Well, we're opening 15,000 accounts today. And, and, and everybody really knows that the vast majority of those are, uh, you know, sort of sit fallow and, and no one ever really uses. Certainly they don't use them as their, and this is broad strokes, but they don't, they don't use them as a primary bank account. Um, and so like, what's interesting now, Dave, when it launched, you know, really thought about, well, how do we become somebody's primary bank account? Well, to do that, we need to get them to deposit their paycheck, right? And that's what everybody's trying to get at. It's like, how do we get that direct deposit paycheck? Um, and then providing incentives around it. Well, if you do deposit that, what do you get from us? Um, and I think you're starting to see I'm just mentioning Dave because we were on the subject today, but every one of the challenger banks say, well, we need to evolve from just saying we're just opening mass number of accounts to how do we get people to use these accounts? And all of them are thinking about ways to incentivize um, more you know, daily usage of these accounts. And, and it, it does all center around that direct deposit. Yeah, most definitely. It's that, and that's the way you can just get some, like 
it, it's something that's really necessary. It's something that we, we touched on with Chime, you know, mm-hmm. before, a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more that, that, and it's a trend that I've been seeing a lot also is an emphasis on, on trying to get the, you know, how are we going to like starting with that and then building the bank around mm-hmm. that concept and other services on top of that. Right. It's almost like um, we need, we need some software that gets people like hooked on it. And then, and then once they're hooked and, and dependent upon the app, how do we provide ancillary banking services into them um, as opposed to the other way around? Um, Can we call this software heroin or cocaine? <laughs> well, it would, it would almost be not heroin or cocaine. It'd be like, it'd be like, sure. no, <laughs> yeah, it would be the things you would need once you are a high, like what else do you need? Tacos? Um, yeah, tacos. Fish tacos, particularly. Um, Cheetos? <laughs> I think we have time for one last um, just mention. Uh, there was an article in the Financial Times this week um, about UK Challenger Bank's um, stumbling, I guess that was the language it used, uh, in a stress test. I don't know if these were formal stress tests. It wasn't, it wasn't very clear to me exactly what was going on. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if you're looking at a challenger bank um, and as they start to mature and get more and more of accounts, they're going to be viewed like a regular bank, right? That the language of challenger will, will eventually drop away. It's just a bank, particularly if they're lending out their own capital. So they will have to abide by the standards that the, the regulatory system does. And so, you know, these, these companies are in growth mode. They're not thinking, they're thinking growth, not protection or safety. So um, I assume that their risk modeling is probably on the, on the far end of the spectrum. Um, and so we'll, we'll see that, you know, regulators start to try to bring them back into the center. And if obviously there's a downturn in the economy, I think, you know, there, there will be a, a massive shakeout because some of the guys won't be able to survive this. Are we going to see a margin call style movie for Challenger Banks? I would be so happy. If That'd be that, great. With, like with where this happens, I, who would be I the mean, heroes and who would be the villains? Jamie Dimon would just be every. It would be both. Oh, he could be on both sides. I can see that. <laughs> kind of like a double be, Well, it depends. It depends how it shakes out. I think it depends how it shakes out. If you know, with with not to spoil margin call, everyone should watch an awesome movie. Um, <laughs> but uh, even though it's been out for like I don't know ten years or whatever, but like it really depends if there if we actually if the regulators don't necessarily. Um, you know, are able to pull them into the middle. First of all, there's this just idea and all the bankers that are listening right now know exactly what I'm talking about is just form the idea of formula, how important formula is, especially after 2008, just from every aspect of, of a traditional bank that you have to, you know, you have to stay in formula, both from a consumer side and also from the bank itself side, you know, uh, it's just the, the importance of that is it's been there forever and it's a lot of it's placed by the regulators the banks would probably like to get a little more aggressive if i had to guess but the regulators you know force them to be in a certain way so first of all what's interesting is let's say how how is a bank going to actually be challenger bank going to put into formula if they're piggybacking on another banking license like, you know how does mm-hmm. how's the monitoring going to go how exactly is that going to work um where's the how are they going to look into the accounts you know what are the rules going to be? And second of all, if an issue comes up where, you know, people lose accounts or people lose money, um, is it going to be seen like almost like a Theranos where they knew this was going to happen, but they just thought that it was going to be okay. Um, and then just, you know, one card came out and the whole, and the whole, uh, you know, uh, castle came tumbling down. So it, I think regarding who are going to be the heroes and vil- villains, it depends. It really depends on if, you know, if the challenger banks want to actually create, and the theory behind the challenger bank isn't just like, hey, I want to create an all digital bank. It's the idea of people are unhappy with the banking system and 
they want something new. That like that's what the root of all this is. And people are unhappy with their banks. They're unhappy with what happened post two thousand eight. They're unhappy with you know fees. They're unhappy with all these other things. So and that's why the challenger banks came in. Now, if the challenger banks turn into regular banks in terms of their attitude, then people are just going to be pissed off with them as well, and you're going to have a vicious cycle, which won't surprise me if that happens, honestly, because that's just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really what I would hope that, you know, the cha- that the challenger banks would are not going to be in a situation where, you know, they're, they're going to try to put them, put themselves in a position where they're really out of formula and risking people's, um, you know, deposits and savings, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that's definitely something we should see. And, and I agree with you. I think the way of the world is that, you have these sort of upstart in your face companies and as they grow and mature society or whatever kind of, you know, pigeonholes them back and, and, and they commit a lot of the same errors that the, the industry that they were trying to disrupt had, had done. Um, we're not anywhere near there yet with, with the challenger banks, but I, I do think many of them have been started with an ethos to say, yeah, it's not just creating a digital product. It's like, we want to remake sort of the entire baking industry and, and, uh, We'll see where that leads. We don't know yet. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely agree with that. Well, thanks, Josh. I think this was uh, this was a great episode. I, I loved your eulogy. Um, um, that will go down in cry- one of the high of, of was, Challenger podcast. I was crying. I don't know if you heard it. I was, I was crying. I was touched. I was, I was, very, honestly I was touched. very emotional. I was very emotional. Like, um, well, we'll see what we'll see what Chase comes out with. Uh, you know, out of the Skunk Works project. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, or who knows who knows what it is. Skunk exactly. Works. Well, thank you everybody for listening to us, and we'll catch you again soon. See ya.